2 Corinthians 8. We will pick up with the ninth verse. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burden, but that is a matter of fairness. Your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need and there may, may be fairness, as it is written. Whoever gathered much had nothing left over. Whoever gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God who puts into the heart of, who put put into the heart of Titus uh, the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he's going to you of his own accord. With him we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he's been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself to show our goodwill. We take this course so that no one should, should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable not only in the Lord's sight but also in the sight of man. And... With them we are sending our brother whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he's my partner, fellow worker, for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the church, the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Let's bow together. Lord, once again, we thank you for this, this passage, which is not only historic in the sense that it was given to a particular church at a particular time, but your Holy Spirit saw that it would be preserved for us in this time. So, Lord, will you open our hearts and our minds before you and then conform our lives to your will. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated.
For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty <clears throat> might become rich. Paul's argument here, and this is where we, we ended last week, and we're going to bookend this message uh, with, with that concept, but his reasoning is just impeccable. Now, I have to tell you that he was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's reasoning is always impeccable. So I'm, I'm not uh, saying that this is different from other portions of Scripture, but even from a human perspective. Here's, here's what he's saying. Here's the foundation that he is, he is laying here. He's saying, look, remember, remember that where Jesus was? He had it all, the creator and the sustainer of the universe on the throne of the universe. And then he put it aside. He put it aside, this is what we would call the incarnation, by taking on flesh, by being here in what is considered to be his life here on earth, theologically is called his humiliation, because for the creator to become a human, fully human and yet still fully divine, it is a humiliation and ultimately there is an exaltation. But he's saying for, for him to come here and then to live a life and to obey perfectly under the law, the law that he gave, he's the lawgiver, and he's willingly putting himself under that, living a, a life of perfect obedience, and then ultimately going to the cross, and he keeps saying, this is, this is for us. He gave all that up for us, going to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, was resurrected so that we, by faith, by trusting in Jesus Christ alone for our salvation, we then inherit everything that belongs to him rightfully. So here's Paul's reasoning. Given that, given, and just in that one statement... What would it be like for me to say, let me figure out how little I can give back to him? It, isn't that weird to even hear? Who would say that? Well, I don't think people say that. And yet, their actions sometimes show that. It can only be if we don't believe this statement or we ignore it. Because the only response to this is, he has been so generous with me. What can I do to be generous to him? That's worship. So 
that's the transition, and of course this is, I've made it two different passages, but it's, it's a letter, it's all in one paragraph as it were. So let's take a look at, at how he applies this, and what, what we're going to look at is what was he saying to the Corinthians, and then what does that mean for us here at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church? So the first thing we see here is that Paul reminds them to follow through and be consistent in giving. And uh, we see that uh, basically in, in verse 10. And, and what we're going to see is the, the sequence of giving. By the way, uh, and I addressed this last week, but if, if you're visiting or if you're watching online, you, you, you may be wondering, well, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Why is he talking about giving? Well, um, you know what? If it was up to me, uh, I probably wouldn't have picked to, to preach uh, several sermons on giving. If it, it, and, and you might say, well, it is up to you. Well, in, in one sense... But what we do here at St. Andrews is that we preach straight through books of the Bible. And as we do that, we trust that the next passage in the book of the Bible is what God wants us to hear. And before there was a global pandemic, we had felt led to preach through this book. We addressed the pandemic and the urgency of things uh, immediately when it happened and then we said you know what but he led us to second corinthians let's see what he has for us so so here we are that's not an apology it's an ex explanation of how we we do things here at saint andrews and so um he first talks about the the desire to give and uh, verse 10, in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. That's, that's the first step. That's the first thing. And then Paul urges them to finish the task. They had begun. A apparently, there was some kind of a pledge or something, that uh, a promise that they had made and uh, Paul was aware of it. So that the first step in terms of our giving, our sharing, is the desire. And then the second one is a willingness to give. And by the way, these both come from God. If you have a desire to give and a willingness, be assured that it is God that is prompting you. Because we in our, our, our very natures are, are not generous. We're protective of that which we have. So these, these come from, from God, and that's, that's in essence the, the first two steps, the, the desire and the willingness. And by the way, here a few moments ago, you heard about sharing God's love. Maybe in your heart, like it did as in the early service especially, first hearing that, it was a reminder and a prompt. Maybe you said, oh yeah, yes, I, I, I do need to do something. I do need to give school supplies or, or, you know, I always give canned goods to them or clothing for children or whatever. I, I, 
I just, I've forgotten about it, or, or maybe it's the first time you've ever heard of that ministry, but, but you were prompted to do, that's, that's what this is talking about. It starts with, with a desire and then a willingness, but then he goes on, look at uh, verse 11, finish doing it as well, so that your readiness and desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. Finish doing it. So here's the idea to follow through and consistency and giving. Finish. You've, you've been prompted. Now follow through. Now, now do it. This is what Paul is saying to them. And then he says, you know, you may be saying, well, how much? What do I do? How do I know? What? He's, he gives us uh, the guideline from the Lord. Out of what you have. Now, some versions say according to your means. That's similar. That phrase is similar to what it says in Acts 11, verse 29, which is, so the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. So that's not some kind of a a Marxist principle. This is a a uniquely Christian principle perspective on on giving and sharing and what makes it uniquely Christian is while we see the needs of others and we should be sensitive to those but what prompts us to move forward is what Christ has done for us so the motivation is not just meeting other people's needs yes it's meeting their needs but because Christ gave his all to me. So out of what you have. So I want you to remember that phrase, uh, according to what God has given you. So the third uh, part in this sequence is the opportunity to give. So you have a cause, you have the ability You've been prompted to give, and then you have the opportunity. So here's the key concept. The Bible teaches, uh, doesn't teach, rather, equal giving. It teaches equal sacrifice. In other words, God is not uh, so concerned about the amount you give, but how it compares with the amount he first gave to you. He provided for you think of the widow at the temple how what pleasure jesus took in seeing her knowing the amount was small compared to all those that were giving in a very ostentatious way and yet he knew what a sacrifice it was for her and he was pleased with that You know what most charities have found? Most have found that those who have more give less, percentage-wise. There's an article in the New York Times talking about all the studies that, uh, that charities have done that have, have found that to be the case. You know, Warren, Warren Buffett 
uh, at one point, this was a, a few years back now, he's still giving to the Gates Foundation, but uh, he, he gave what amounts to <clears throat> some $31 billion to that foundation. Incredible amount of money. But you know what he said? And I appreciate him saying this. That doesn't change my lifestyle one bit. I still eat whatever I want. I have everything I want. I have more than I need, more money than I could ever spend. And so that's what he was saying, that percentage-wise, you know, it's billions and billions of dollars, but it hasn't changed a thing. It's, he would say, not even a sacrifice for him. Sadly, for, for some, the more one has, the harder it is to to open up our hands and give. And Paul says, that ought not to be the case. I heard one speaker say, God's not concerned with how much you give, but how much you have left. And then look what it says in verse 12. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. So again, it speaks of follow-through or, or the action. So if one has the desire and the willingness that have both come from God, and then the opportunity, if you don't then follow through and you're a believer, that's disobedience. So look at the second thing we see here in this passage in general, is that Paul teaches them that giving is a two-way action. Uh, verse 13, for I, don't, I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that, that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, whoever gathered little had no lack. So, God is desiring to build his family, the church. One way he does that is by relief flowing back and forth when there are needs in the body of Christ. There are some problems with that. One problem would be when one group who is able to share, doesn't want to share. Another problem would be uh, one group shares and the other becomes dependent on the one sharing. The other side is that some Christians won't accept help from anyone. Now, all of those attitudes will stunt the growth of the body of Christ. Ultimately, that kind of sacrifice is selfish. Where one side always gives and the other always receives. Um, that's one of the things we deal with as a missions team. We want to be wise in funding, uh, particularly in other countries. We want to make sure that there is good accountability always. But we also want to 
enable them and equip them so that then they can be in a position not necessarily to support us, but maybe support others. And so as you think of the mission team, realize that's one of the things that we are always looking at as well. Let me tell you something on a much more personal note. In, uh, I want to tell you about a dear saintly lady that was in a, a church that uh, I served previously. She uh, had no children of her own. She had a niece in our church. By the way, she's been with the Lord for a number of years now. She had a niece in, in our church. And all throughout her life, one part of her ministry was to pick up children and take them to church. There were a lot of bad family situations uh, in our area. We were in a, a small town, a lot of a rural area. And she would pick up these children, bring them to church, love them. Uh, she would often feed them and clothe them. And she did that throughout her, her whole uh, life until she couldn't drive any longer. Her niece was very concerned because she stopped coming to church and her niece wanted to, to bring her to church. And so I went over to, to visit her and just talk with her about it. And uh, she said, no, it's too much trouble for anybody else. The niece lived out, you know, on a farm and she'd have to come clear in here. I said, well, there, you know, there's plenty of people drive right by your house, which was blocks from our church, every Sunday. And what a blessing it would be for you to let them pick you up. And what a blessing to see you back at church. She missed it so bad. She was so lonely. But she, she refused to. And what she did by doing that was she actually stole a blessing from herself, from those who would have ministered to her, and from our church. When giving is working the way God wants it to, the way he designed it, it's two-way. That's when it's at its best. And then thirdly, Paul teaches them that the, the glory of God's reflected in their integrity in giving. Uh, verse 20, we take this course so that no one should blame us about the generous gift that is being administered uh, by us, for we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. So here's the point. He's saying that, that um, God's honor is at stake in, in how we give and how we handle money. John Calvin has said this, nothing more apt to lay one open to sinister imputations than handling of public money. Sinister imputations. Falling into temptation. Succumbing to the temptation. And he says, you know, of all the temptations out there, he says, there's nothing more apt 
to cause someone to fall than the handling of money. In a previous church, um, shortly after I arrived there, a man showed up at, at our house. I asked him in. He was from the church. And he said, uh, we, uh, I, we had, I had this arrangement with the previous pastor. And uh, uh, he handed me an envelope, a, th- a thick envelope. And, and uh, I, I looked at it, and I, I opened it, and there was lots of money in there. And... Uh, I said, what, what is this? He said, well, that's $3,000. Now, at that time, that was like more than a couple months' salary for me. And he said, here's, here's what I did with the previous pastor is that I would, I'd give them, him this periodically. I want to remain anonymous, and I, he was sincere in that. I want to remain anonymous. Uh, so I would I'd give him cash and then say, um, please use it where it's most needed. Now, I've already told you basically what I was making at that time, and so my feeling was where it's most needed, huh? <laughs> and so I immediately said, whoa, I'm, I'm sorry. I really appreciate you want to do this. And, and yes, we, we will use this money. But then I worked out a way where he would he would write on there how much it was, and we'd get it straight to the treasurer. Uh, she would write out a receipt. She would count it, write out a receipt for that amount. It would go back to him. He remained anonymous. But I didn't want to be responsible for distributing it either without accountability. Now, I'm not telling you that because I'm so wise or I'm so good, but I am so human. And I didn't, I didn't want any temptation in that area. I didn't want either to handle that money or to make decisions without accountability of how it should be handled. Here at St. Andrews, I don't know what anybody gives. And, and there's two reasons for that. I don't want to know. Uh, because I would never want to treat anyone better because they give more money or, or not as good because they give less. I hope I wouldn't do that, but I don't even want the temptation. I don't even want to think about those kinds of things. And then secondly, I don't ever want to be accused of, of doing that. And so by not knowing, I can still be accused of it, but there can be no basis. I love what we uh, have in place here for our funds at St. Andrews. We've, we've got uh, those who handle it and deal with it and, and uh, teams that deal with it and our deacons and elders that have put into place checks and balances so that from the time uh, money is given until it is distributed, uh, nobody could could steal. Now, I'm not worried about them doing that, but by these being in place, it, it, it makes it so that accusation uh, should not ever be there. And so I'm able to stand in front of uh, membership classes where people are thinking about joining the church and say, uh, you know, I'm happy to tell you that we can tell you, I can't personally, but I can give you the person that can. We can tell you where every dollar that is given 
goes. We can track it for you. And that's a good place to be. And that fits, I really sincerely believe, with what Paul is concerned about here, and that is being honorable before men, but also reflecting the honor of Christ. Tim Boyle uh, is the president and CEO of uh, the Portland-based apparel brand Columbia Sportswear. Some of you may have fleeces or T-shirts or uh, clothing with uh, Columbia on there. And we've seen a lot of wonderful acts of generosity uh, during this pandemic. There was an article about uh, Tim Boyle who who in 2018, his salary exceeded $3 million a, a year, probably far exceeded that. But during this pandemic, when they had to close down their stores and, and employees weren't able to work uh, and so on, uh, he reduced his salary to $10,000. Extremely generous, and a, a number of the uh, upper-level executives also volunteered to lower their salary by 15%. From a human perspective, and I I can appreciate this, from a human perspective, that's such a big deal that an article was written about that in uh, in the, the newspaper there in Oregon. And yet, compare that to what we read earlier and see how small that great act of human generosity sounds compared to this. We know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. If we ever forget that, we've forgotten the whole point of what Paul is saying here, encouraging us to follow through. Let's bow together. Thank you, Father, for your generosity toward us that is way beyond any human act could ever be. And Lord, as we give and as we share with one another, will you protect us from Satan's trick that we are somehow repaying you, but instead May that be our incentive. May that be our motive for sharing with one another. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.